Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 29. Lewis and Clark, how left we gotta go? We are going to be taking a look at the Lewis and Clark expedition, which happened from August 31st, 1803 to September 25th, 1806. If you didn't know that, I, don't, I didn't know what it was either. I didn't know, I just knew Lewis and Clark as like a pop culture reference. And I think we might have covered it in sixth grade, maybe. I was really trying to think about like, why don't I know about this at all? And I, I, that's all. And I know that two dudes went, they like, I, as far as I knew before I looked into it, it was two guys walked across the country to the Pacific Ocean. And then Sacagawea was in there somewhere because I remember they made the dollar gold coin uh, out of her. I don't know if that was national or just in Jersey, but I remember they had him on the Paco line for a minute. And that was, if you pressed me on it, that's pretty much all I knew. And then I would start naming Oregon Trail facts from the video game. If you, if you, if I was still in that conversation, I had to start lying about shit I knew about. I would just start incorporating Oregon Trail knowledge, whatever I could remember from that video game. Also, it was hard for me to like get into learn about Lewis and Clark because I liked that video game so much as a kid. I realized that after looking into it for a minute, I was like, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't get behind Lewis and Clark as like interesting. I was kind of worried that like as much as be boring. And then I realized I was like, I think it's just because you have in your head, you have like a bias against it because you're too loyal to the Oregon Trail video game. I only have one like room for one American story of exploration in the West during like the 1800s. So I was happy to find that in my head and be like, all right, stop being an idiot. Keep looking at Lewis and Clark, dude. So we're going to be covering the expedition. What happened, why'd they do it, who put it together, how'd it go. Uh, I mean, everybody, it's pretty obvious that it worked out. Like, not everybody died. So it, it did, it was the American exploration that opened up the West after the Louisiana Purchase was made. Because 1803, Louisiana Purchase made, oh, we'll get into it, we'll get into it. But that's what we're covering on this episode. Uh, it's hopefully going to be a little bit shorter than the stock market episode that was last time. I don't mind a longer episode, but that thing was like almost an hour. So that was another thing I kept in mind when I was like, because there's a lot about Lewis and Clark out there. So I was like, just get the shit that's like interesting to me. And then like the idea of like, if you were telling this to somebody at work, how would you tell them it? Because there was, I was making lists about the supplies and shit they took. And like, I have some of that in here, but at some point in time, like how many syringes do you, do you need to know how many syringes they had? So we, we parsed it down. Hopefully it's a little bit quicker than the last one, but by the end of it, uh, You'll know more about Lewis and Clark, hopefully, than you do now. But, I mean, even if you don't, I don't really know why you would never need this knowledge. But it is a cool American story. And a lot of people a lot of people that talk about it, if you look into it, they all love it, man. There are some diehard Lewis and Clark people. It falls into, like, I don't know, I think the same people who love 1776, George Washington, Revolutionary War America. There's heavy crossover with Lewis and Clark. And it is a great story. I do like the story. So let's get into it. How did it happen? How'd these two dudes end up going all the way left on the risk map and hitting the Pacific Ocean? All right. So our trip started on August 31st, 1803. But before that even happened, you got to find out how did Lewis and Clark get picked for this? Who put this together? These guys just didn't start doing this shit on their own. All right. So President Thomas Jefferson had been eyeing up the West for a minute. Now, this is right before the Louisiana Purchase. Thomas Jefferson was in presidency and being like, dude, I'm telling you, I really believe in Manifest Destiny. We should be running this whole fucking thing. I don't even know how far it goes to the left, but we should just be run the whole, have, as far as it is, dude. 
I really believe in Manifest Destiny. We should be taking all this land. And then, coincidentally, right around the same time, Napoleon in France was kind of getting his ass beat in a war a little bit. I'm not going to judge him, but he did need money. And he owned the land uh, west of the Mississippi. Ooh, got there. So it was land west of the Mississippi. Now, this doesn't count like Texas. We kind of covered, if you heard the Texas episode, that was still disputed land after the Louisiana Purchase because Spain was like, hey, man, Texas is still ours. But the Louisiana Purchase that Thomas Jefferson made for like $11.5, 12000000 dollars he bought all this land off of France. It's all the land west of the Mississippi, except for like Texas and the southern states with the Spanish Empire was still kind of controlling and fucking around with. But all the land west of the Mississippi for the point of this, minus Texas. So Thomas Jefferson buys it, 1803. Hell yeah. He's already been eyeing up that he wants to set an expedition out there because he believes in Manifest Destiny so much. And he's been grooming the guy that he wanted to do it. Enter Meriwether Lewis. All right, now Meriwether Lewis was Thomas Jefferson's male secretary, personal assistant. Now, Lewis was in his late 20s. He was an army veteran of the Indian Wars. He was very intelligent. He was also, I mean, everybody knows this, very moody. He had a hard time staying chipper. He was up and down, you know? Uh, And a lot of the sources, they say he was a manic depressive. So he had highs and lows, but Thomas Jefferson specifically saw that. Also, when he was grooming his candidate for who he wants to send west, he saw that Lewis was manic depressive and was like, fuck it, if I can give this guy like a mission, look, he's get, he gets mopey, he does, but if you give this guy something to believe in and let him loose, just give him a little direction, I bet he'll take it all the way, because it's all he really has. That was Thomas Jefferson's plan, and that's why he was kind of like Derek Zoolander in Meriwether Lewis. He was kind of like indoctrinate, like brainwashing him to be like, don't you want to go west? Don't you want to go west for daddy? Thomas Jefferson, daddy needs you to go. And Meriwether Lewis was like, fuck yeah, I can't wait. So Louisiana Purchase was made. Thomas Jefferson was like, Lewis, you want to take care of this? Lewis was like, I can't wait. Thank you so much, dad. And then Lewis called an old army buddy who was William Clark. Now, unlike Meriwether Lewis, William Clark... More even keeled. Pretty much everybody liked Clark. He was just a likable guy. He was a little bit less educated than Lewis, but he was kind of like he was like smart in the wilderness. He was uh, and he was an expert uh, map maker. He's excellent uh, cartography. So Lewis is like nice. He's my boy. I can trust him, dude. Do you want to mount up and do this shit with me? And Clark's like, yep. Good to hear from you. Glad you're doing okay. Glad you got something to work on. I like that. There's something like that in your life, Lou. I can't wait. I'll see you soon. So that's how we got Lewis and Clark through Thomas Jefferson, Zoolander and Lewis, and then Lewis recruits Clark. And then Thomas Jefferson's like, yo, Congress, I need some money for this shit. I'm sending these two wild men left. They're going to claim everything. I can't wait. Congress is like, cool. I'll give you $2,500 to get this done, all right? Thomas Jefferson's like, awesome, thank you. So Jefferson tells Lewis and Clark what the objectives of this mission are. So the goals are, number one, you have to discover Northwest Passage. So the plan was, Lewis and Clark going to follow the Missouri River, going left on a map, and they got to go all the way until that thing ends. Nobody really knows where that thing ends. You got to go up the Missouri River until it ends. After it ends, we're pretty sure there's like at least one mountain. We think there's a few mountains. It's not a big deal, though. It's all right. Also, they're talking about the Rocky Mountains there. 
They didn't know how big the Rocky Mountains were. They were just guessing that, like, well, we think the Missouri River ends, and then there's, like, a few mountains, and then at the end, after you cross, like, there's one or two mountains, then you're going to find a river, and then you're going to ride that river downstream to the Pacific. Because going up the Missouri towards the Rocky Mountains, the Missouri flows eastward. So when Lewis and Clark were taking a boat with all their, with their squad that we'll get to in a second, that boat is going upriver whole time. Until you get to the end of it, and then you're at the Rocky Mountains. So, and they were rowing. It did the boat did have a sail, but mostly the boat was rowed. There's like forty dudes. We'll get to what the squad looked like in a second. But it, there were dudes rowing a boat up the whole Missouri River in like 1804. And when the current got too strong and you couldn't row it anymore. You had to get out, and then they had a bunch of ropes that were attached to the boat, and then everybody walked on the side of the river and pulled the boat up. It wasn't break time. The current's too strong, then you got to get out and grab a rope. We're still moving. Let's go. So that was their plan. So you got to find Northwest Passage, which is finding the river after the Missouri River. Hopefully they link up, and that's a way to get to the Pacific Ocean. Also, Lewis was charged with documenting everything. Everything. Plants, animals, Native American tribes, specifically all the new Native American tribes you run into, and you got to document how they live, what they eat, what are their customs like, are they aggressive, what's their religion, all this shit. And all this stuff is documented. Like, Lewis did do a ton of work and note-taking. We'll get, at the end of it, there's a total of how many new animals and plant species he found. I mean, but Lewis does a great job of documenting this whole thing. And Clark's making the maps the whole time and keeping Lewis... You know, on, on even enough keel to be able to get the job done. Also, one of the requirements that Thomas Jefferson told Lewis that he had to do for every new Native American tribe they found is that Lewis has to make a speech. And I have, this is, okay, there's at least two different versions of the speech, but this is the one, this is one of them. So, when Lewis and Clark and the expedition found a new Native American tribe, Lewis had to do, like, a pop-up comedy show. He had to, like, call everybody into, like, the big hut and be like, hey, real quick, I'm just going to do a set for you real quick. And this is what he had to say to him: Children. Uh, I'm sent by the great chief of the 17 great nations of America. We have come to inform you that your fathers, the French and Spaniards, have gone beyond the great lake towards the rising sun, from whence... They never intend returning. Children, our great chief has become your father. He has commanded us to tell you are living in peace with all white men. Or tell you to live in peace with all white men. Children, do these things which your great father advises and be happy. Avoid the counsel of bad birds. Follow our counsels. And the great spirit will smile upon your nation and in future ages will make you outnumber the trees in the forest. So Lewis had, Lewis had to call every, every new Native American tribe they found. Whether, and also, they don't know if they're going to be nice. They're just going to try to kill them on the spot. Are we going to hang out? You're just meeting brand new cultures of people. And one of the first things Lewis has to do is sit down and be like, all right, real quick, guys, I'm going to do a quick five-minute set real and say that shit. Dude, how fast, if you were Lewis, would you blow through that set? Just quickly mumbling it and be like, children, all right, no questions. Anyway, and then he would give out medals afterwards. Just blow through that speech, hope nobody asks any questions, 
start giving out medals and like hand compact mirrors. They had a bunch of little like knickknacks to give the different Native American tribes to try to make friends with them. But I thought that, I mean, that's tough. I mean, the journey to begin with is hard. And then if you run into Native American tribes, they already might try to kill you. And now you could know that, like, everyone you find, you got to get them together and do this set. I thought that, I mean, that made the journey way more dangerous, in my opinion. That's a hard way to meet new people. All right, let's meet the squad. It's not just Lewis and Clark. And Clark. There's a whole expedition party. So you got Lewis, you got Clark, and then you got about 40 other dudes which did include one slave, a black dude named York, and it was uh, Clark's slave. All right. So, uh, anyway, the 40 dudes, the requirements were uh, you must be unmarried. And you were told it's going to be about two years. Some of these guys left, like, money to relatives because they really didn't expect to return. Again, they were just being told, like, hey, you, we're going to go left, man. We're going to go all the way. Nobody knows how big these mountains are. Also, Thomas Jefferson told Lewis, like, oh, watch out. There might be woolly mammoths and volcanoes. We don't know. Like, nobody had any idea what the fuck was out there. Historians today do compare them to astronauts, like the guys who went to the moon or are astronauts from Apollo 8, which I think... It's one thing to really enjoy a story about Lewis and Clark, but in my opinion, these this is nowhere even close to, like, the Saturn V rocket, Apollo 8. But, I mean, it is very dangerous, and it's it. we'll get into it. It's a really miserable trip the whole time. It's not a lot of fun, but the dudes on the Saturn VIII rocket, I mean, stage two, that fuel was, like, just one layer against each other, and there was 100 degrees difference. It could have blown up at any point in time. Like, the fuel was touching the outside of the rocket. It's like it's like if you try to fill your if you had to fill your attic with jello and none of it could leak out or else you would blow up. That's how hard. So like calling these guys astronauts a little much in my opinion, but you know, people like different things. All right. So, I said they had two and a half grand for supplies. So what did they buy for supplies? All right. They had their one big boat, mostly rowing it. Sometimes you got to pull it with ropes when uh it's a bad day and the current's too strong. They also had two little pontoon boats that would be drugged behind the big boat. They had 15 powerful new Harper's Ferry rifles, best technology there was. Those were muzzle-loading rifles, and they were .54 caliber. They also had one experimental rifle that used compressed air. And the reason they were given this was to impress different Native American tribes with it by showing that, like, look, the compressed air can shoot. It was like a Titman 98. But for people who didn't, who've never seen any of this before, you show them, like, impressed gas. I mean, maybe it, it probably would be pretty impressive, but, it, again, it was just, like, a one-shot shitty paintball gun. Not that the tip... Again, I had a Tipman 98. I'm not saying they're bad paintball guns. I'm, that's just the first paintball gun I thought of when I saw a compressed air rifle. I, I don't know where that is. It was a good paintball gun. I played a couple of times. It was nice. I like... I didn't like... I got hit in the chest once, really fucking hard once. Just dropped my gun. That was tough. My buddy Jeff came out from behind a tree and just shot me right in the fucking sternum. He was pretty close. I don't know. This is the first time I ever got hit with a paintball. I just dropped my I just dropped my gun and stopped playing. I was like, Jesus, I didn't expect that. Anyway, so they got a Tipman 98 on board to try to impress people with. They also have one small cannon on the front of the boat. It's not a huge cannon, but it's there just to kind of scare off if anybody's coming. You point a cannon at them. They don't know how powerful that thing is. It's not huge, but it's there. All right. They also had a medicine chest. Now, this had a bunch of stuff in it, but for the purpose of this podcast... The highlights are they had 12 ounces of opium, uh, they had some herbs in there, and then they had 50 dozen Dr. Ruth's Billis pills. 
Now, what these were, these were like the miracle cure-all of the day. And they had 50 dozen of them. They, they also went by the name Dr. Rush's Thunderbolts. And again, they, they were used for any kind of ailment at this point in time. Now, what these pills actually were, uh, and now people know what they, what they actually were, is it, it was just a very powerful laxative. It was an extremely powerful laxative that would just, I mean, you would take it if you were hurting, had a headache or whatever. I mean, you hurt yourself, however, you eat a couple of these very strong laxative pills called Thunderbolts, and then your body does what a body normally does on laxative pills, and then you're supposed to feel better. But people swore by them, and they had 50 dozen of them. So um, they were stocked up and ready to go. They also had five, or I'm sorry, they had six five-gallon kegs of whiskey for a total of 30 gallons of whiskey on board this boat. All right. And again, the plan was to take the boat all the way up the uh, Missouri River, cross the mountains that may be there, but we think they're small. And then we're going to ride another river all the way down to the Pacific, make all the friends we can on the way. Nobody die. Having a good time. All right. So the expedition sets off August 31st, 1803. And the plan is we got to get as far left as we can by winter. Now, again, it's August. We got a couple of months here. We got to go as far as we can. And then we got to find somewhere to stay during winter. We don't really have a plan for that. Unless we can find a Native American tribe to stay with, we'll probably freeze to death. So let's just start going. And then we got to make friends with somebody or we die. That's how it started. All right. The Great American Expedition has begun, guys. Are you excited? I'm ex- I can't wait. Almost immediately as the expedition party leaves where they're going and starts heading all the way to the Pacific, um, a party member named Hugh Hall is caught breaking into and drinking the whiskey. <laughs> Almost immediately. Hugh Hall. Come on, Hugh. He's already in the whiskey. All right. That's one thing. It's fine. Hugh, calm down. A little bit after that, party member named Mr. Blaze Cena almost kills a woman. Um, they stopped in a town, and Mr. Blaze Cena was not very skillful with firearms, so he was handling a pistol. Uh, the pistol discharged, and it shot a lady's hat off her head, but it also hit her in the head a little bit. So they thought that the, this guy blew this lady's head off. They thought, because she went down, and she was bleeding a lot, but then they looked at the hat, and they were like, oh, it just went through the hat, and it kind of hit her head a little bit, and Mr. Blaze Cena was very sorry about it, so... Expedition kept on going. Couple of hiccups early. Then, uh, party member Joseph Field is bitten by a rattlesnake. Uh, again, a lot of rough ones out the gate here. Couple hurdles to get through. Joseph Field bit by a rattlesnake. Lewis applies gunpowder and tree bark to the wound. Um, and I'm guessing he gave him some of those diarrhea pills. Um, but yeah, that's all right. Snake bite. It's all right. Joseph Field, put some gunpowder on it. Eat some diarrhea pills, dude. We're getting, we're getting it going. All right, soon afterwards, party member Sergeant Floyd complains of intestinal pain, and then he dies. They bury him on a hill. Uh, They name it Floyd's Hill. People believe that uh, Sergeant Floyd's appendix burst, and regardless of whether he was on the expedition or if he was in the best hospitals in New York, they couldn't have saved him, so R.I.P. Sergeant Floyd. Uh, And then after that, One day the temperature reaches 96 degrees and a man collapses from sunstroke. So, you know, a lot of hurdles early. 
Uh, and then after all that, one morning they woke up and just shot the cannon for no reason, which I liked. I liked learning. I liked learning about the, all those stumbles. And then one day they were just like, "Fuck it, shoot the cannon, dude! Shoot the cannon! This is awful." So fresh off a cannon shot, uh, they are now near Pierre, South Dakota. Now, Lewis goes up. Uh, they meet the Teton tribe. Near Pierre, South Dakota, uh, Lou gets them all together and he does his set and it doesn't, the material doesn't hit. Um, there is then a standoff between the boat and uh, enough Teton warriors to kill everybody. Uh, and then the, bo- the boat points the cannon at the warriors on horseback. And then the chief is like, all right, well, give us three days. Let our women and children come down and meet you. And everybody on the boat's like, this feels like a fucking trap. But what are we going to do? Three days go by. There's still some tension. Clark throws some tobacco on the beach, and then they just shove off and haul ass out of there. The whole time, Lou's probably blaming himself. Like, dude, I thought I had him there. and the sh- I thought I thought that show was going all right. They almost die there. They don't die, but the Teton tribe almost got them. little tobacco and three days of waiting. Nothing happens. All right. But it's almost wintertime now. All right. So, for wintertime, Lewis and Clark Expedition gets lucky, and they roll up on Fort Mandan. Now, Fort Mandan is a collection of about five or six Native American tribes. It's a huge community. It's bigger than St. Louis, right? All right. The Mandan were established traders of buffalo skins. So they've seen white people before, and uh, the Mandan referred to white people as the pretty people. So it's like, all right, well, we could probably get along with these guys. That's okay. So the Lewis and Clark Expedition gets there, and then one of the guys in the Lewis and Clark Expedition starts playing a fiddle one night. And then, like, a dance-off breaks out. I'm not making this up. The guys started playing a fiddle, and then the white dudes started doing their European dances, and the Native Americans were like, oh, this is cool. And then they started dancing. It was like a, I don't know, Great Plains dance-off, dude. Having a good time. So they made friends that way. Um, I would also say that I I didn't find a source on this, but I did, uh, somebody did say that the leader of the Mandan, actually, his first name was John Claude. So... Uh, also, a uh, Mandan custom that uh, Lewis and Clark wrote down um, was that when the Mandan, because they were there all winter. So at some point in time, they started running out of meat. So the Mandan and the exploration party were like, we're going to fucking starve. And that's when the tribe started doing this thing. Called, it was like a buffalo ceremony that they have. And Clark wrote this down. So what this was is that the younger dudes in the tribe would bring their babes to the oldest dudes in the tribe possible, like guys who could barely walk. They, they're they going to be dead in like a week and a half. So the young dudes would bring their wives over to these old dudes and then give them their wives for the night for, yep, you know? And then while that's going on, same night, the young dudes have to, like they go put on buffalo heads or some of them don't have buffalo heads on. They're just regular. And then they're just dancing, doing a buffalo dance. And this is all supposed to be able to uh, make the buffalo appear so that nobody starves to death. That was the, uh, that was the ceremony. So Clark had to write that down and notes to Thomas or Lewis wrote that down for Thomas Jefferson. He was like, this is fucking crazy, but I, you know, everybody's lives differently. And when I, I read that, I did think that it would be funny because in that, in the Mandan tribe, there's nobody watching exactly how much meat the tribe has than every fucking old dude in that tribe. (laughs) It's just like, double checking the meat every day where it's like ah we're getting low on liverwurst dude are we gonna do i'm not saying we have to i'm just saying if you want it i'm we're low on 
we haven't had bologna for like a month and a half. We may want to look into doing a. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just. I keep track of it because I'm concerned about people starving. No other reason for sure. So I thought that was good. You know, people live different. So before they leave the Mandan, uh, this is also when Sacagawea enters the picture, which is great. Lewis and Clark hire a French fur trader named Charbonneau. Now, this guy wasn't great. He was kind of known as a burglar, but they did say this dude could cook. Now, but what's really important about him is that he had two wives. One of them was a 16-year-old pregnant girl named Sacagawea, and the other one is not very important for the point of our story, but there was a second wife. Now, Charbonneau was like, I'm going to pick a wife to bring along with us, and he picked the 16-year-old pregnant wife, Sacagawea, which made me laugh. I mean, not that this really had anything to do with it, but man, how mean must have that other non-pregnant wife have been to not get picked for that? Like, if you had to pick a wife to walk across the country with, and you pick the one who's pregnant, whew. I'm just saying, it probably had nothing to do with it. Anyway, Sacagawea was, like, good for translating and stuff. I'm just, I'm pointing that out. Um, all right, so, but she is pregnant. Now, before they leave, she does give birth to a beautiful baby boy named John Baptiste. Now, she did have trouble in labor, but Lewis came to the rescue and made her a potion out of a rattlesnake tail, which helped her in labor. Not making that up. That is what he did, and apparently it worked. He uh, ground up a rattlesnake tail and put it in some water and was like, here, drink this. And then 10 minutes later, she gave birth. I don't know if that's real science or not, or he just got lucky, but that's how Lewis helped in that situation. All right. Winner's over with the Mandan. Let's keep it moving. We're no longer under the, uh, under the watchful eye of Jean-Claude Mandan. We are going to keep it moving. Uh, all right. So the Mandan told Lewis and Clark, look, uh, you're going to go up the Missouri River. You're going to hit some waterfalls. That means you're in the right direction. Keep on going. You're almost done. You'll get to the mountains after that. You'll be all right. So they go up the Missouri River and they hit a fork in the river that nobody told them about. They weren't, there's not supposed to be any choices. It's supposed to be a waterfall. And now I have to pick one of two directions and they're going different ways. So Lewis and Clark are like, I think we should go this way. And then everybody else in the expedition is like, fuck no, dude, we're going the other way. The way you guys want to pick is such a bad direction. And then Lewis and Clark are like, I respect your opinions. However, we are leading this shit. We are going the way we want to go. It's a big gamble because if they pick wrong, they don't know how far down that's going to go. And the expedition's not doing great. They just refueled supplies with the Mandan, but I mean, that's going to run out. So if they pick the wrong way here, everybody probably dies. Now, as you know, everybody doesn't die, so they did pick the right way. How about that? Now, they go down the river a little bit. Lewis and Clark are like, nice, we picked the right way. They find the waterfalls. How about that? A little bit of bad news, though. The waterfalls are going to cost them a 17-mile walk around to get past them. Again, they didn't know that they were big waterfalls. They thought it was like one or two, and it turns out that it was 17 miles around and they had to carry the boat they had to carry all the stuff now the one bonus here is now that Sacagawea is along all these these 40 unmarried dudes are definitely working as hard as they can <laughs> to fucking carry this shit like I got it some people did pass out when they were carrying stuff but I would like to think that those dudes who passed out really passed out I mean they, I mean I bet those boys are trying pretty hard now that there's a babe on board not to say she wasn't uh I'm just saying having a girl there you know with, uh, 40 unmarried men, you're going to work a little harder than you normally would probably. Especially if you're bored. You're in the middle of nowhere. Where are you at at this point in time? Somewhere in the Missouri River. 
walking around waterfalls, dude, you can get get that boat up above your head, dude. Press it a couple times. Press it a couple times. Just looking. All right. Around the waterfalls. After that hellacious 17-mile trek carrying a boat that you didn't expect. We're now running out of supplies. And the mountains are coming up soon. We're going to need horses for the mountains because I don't know how big those mountains are. We're, I mean, we're running out of supplies. Do we need horses? We're fucked here. So Lewis scouts on ahead, and then Lewis meets a little girl and then paints her face, which I thought was weird, but that's what he went with. Meets a Native American girl and paints her face. And then, much like if you, why would you, like, don't, same way if you talk to a kid in the mall, like, dude, those parents are going to run, like, what are you doing? Don't talk to the kid. Anyway, Shoshone warriors, because the little girl was from the Shoshone tribe, Shoshone warriors show up and they're like, yo, what are you doing painting one of our kid's faces? And Lewis is like, oh, I'm just out here. I'm the, you know, I get happy and sad sometimes. So ah, please come meet my friends, Clark. Don't fucking kill me right now. Just come meet Lewis. Yeah, I'm Lewis and then Clark's back here. Please don't shoot me. I'm sorry I painted your little girl's face. I don't know why I did that. So the Shoshone war and the Shoshone tribe in general, not, not really looking to make friends because they, they've been wronged before. They've had, a, they've had their heart broken before by Spanish and other Native American tribes invading them. They're not really looking to make friends, but they're willing to try again at love, you know? So they do send out a war party along with Lewis to go back and meet Clark. But the Shoshone tribe's so worried when, they, when the war party leaves that they start singing like funeral songs as they did if guys were going to go off to war and die. They were pretty concerned, you know? So Shoshone war party follows Lewis back to the boat where Clark's at, where Sacagawea's at, where everybody else is at, plus the little boy. Now, one one thing did state that, like, having Sacagawea and the infant along was, like, a sneaky, really, really good way to show different tribes that you're not a war party. Because no war party would carry around a woman and a recently born baby. So, even without her translation skills, which were really helpful, her just being there did disarm any Native American tribes who saw this and thought, like, oh, 40 dudes. Oh, but they have a woman and a baby. They're not here to, they're not here to make war. They wouldn't have brought them. But the Shoshone warriors show up. Clark's like, hey, what's up? They're like, all right, what's going on here? Listen to this, right? And the Shoshone are not trying to make friends. The party's, the exploration party is running out of food. We need horses. We're probably going to fucking die. I can't believe we've only lost one guy so far, right? Shoshone are like, I don't know about this. Sacagawea steps up. And Sacagawea is like, oh, fuck. The chief of this tribe is my brother. Incredible coincidence. Everybody was going to starve. They needed horses. They weren't even at the Rocky Mountains yet. Sacagawea is like, yo, this is my brother, dude. They go from almost having to probably get murdered by these this tribe who was pretty skeptical of them. All of a sudden, guys, come hang out. We got a horse party, dude. No crap. We got a horse party for two weeks. Come hang out. The whole expedition hangs out with the Shoshone for two weeks before they go into the Rocky Mountains because, as luck would have it, Sacagawea's brother runs the whole thing. That was like incredibly lucky. And people say that like if you were writing this story and you wrote that, it's be, somebody would be like, you can't write it like that. Nobody's going to believe that shit. Totally worked. Sacagawea, come. hats off to Charbonneau picking the right wife. Way to go. I mean, you got lucky on that one, man. All right, so they have a horse party for two weeks. Things are going pretty great. Now, but you can't hang out with the Shoshone forever. We still got to get to the Pacific Ocean, dude. Oh, and right before they found the Shoshone, 
and uh, we're like, oh, Sacagawea, that's your brother. They did find the end of the Missouri River, which Lewis was really happy about. But then he ran up to the, the top of like the nearest mountain and then kind of got a glimpse of how big the Rocky Mountains were and was like, oh, no. And then he went and painted that girl's face and then they met the Shoshone tribe. Anyway, so after two weeks with them, they're like, cool, we're going to knock out the Rocky Mountains. We got these horses. Sacagawea, your brother's the fucking man. God damn, I'm glad we found him, dude. Man, your family's cool. Thanks for hanging. You still want to come? She decides to keep going with the party. Why not? They all go into the Rocky Mountains. Now they got fresh supplies. They got fresh horses. And the Shoshone gave him a, dr- gave him a guide who knows the way. And it was a dude named Old Tony. All right. So the expedition begins the trek through the Rocky Mountains. Good to go. Uh, having a good time. And then Old Tony is like, all right, you got to make a choice. Either we can go for a freshwater river that's this way and it's a little bit shorter or we can go this way, and there's a saltwater river, and that might lead you directly to the Pacific Ocean. And the group is like, let's go saltwater, let's gamble a little bit, we'll hang out in the mountains, it's alright. Now, old Tony was like, okay, it's supposed to take four days to get to this saltwater thing that I told you about, and then it took 53 days. You know? Does it ever, if you're in this party, and it takes 53, how long have we been isolated for? That's longer than I think we've been isolated for. Just wandering around the mountains. And this is after all that other shit. Remember that guy's kidney blew up or whatever? <laughs> that was so long. Remember that lady's hat got shot off? That was so long ago. We, thought, we all thought she was dead. Now you're just walking around Rocky Mountains listening to old Tony who doesn't know where he's going. Oh, and it's snowing. That's another thing that like they said that it, was, it wasn't just cold and mountainous terrain. Horses were dying. They were running out of food. It was also snowing. So everything's wet. Clark had moccasins on. I can't believe his feet didn't get frostbitten. They actually might have. I don't know if they didn't or not, but I know that Clark ended this journey with feet, so they didn't get frostbitten that bad. Anyway, 53 days, old Tony's making excuses. He's like, I thought it was left. I don't know. I keep, I'm going to keep going left. They're starving. They're now out of supplies. They're eating horses. They're going to die again. Again, they're going to die. And Clark's like, all right, you guys stay behind. You keep eating the candles and soup we have left. I'm going to go try to find somebody. Clark goes out, and as luck would have it, runs into the Nas Perce tribe. He actually finds a way out and finds the Nas Perce tribe. Incredible. So, expedition meets the Nas Perce tribe. They're past the Rocky Mountains. Now, the Nas Perce are looking at him, and they're talking amongst themselves about what to do about this exploration, and they decide that the smartest thing to do is to throw everybody that just showed up off a cliff. That's what the Nas Perce are like. I don't know know if I like them or not. I don't really have time to think about it. We got that cliff, though. Let's just start chucking them over that cliff. I don't really give a shit. So the Nas Perce are about to kill everybody, Lewis Clark and everybody else who went, and we just got past the Rocky Mountains. I can't, if, if I was in that party and I heard this, I'd be like, I can't believe they're going to kill us now, dude. They have no, come on, man. We've been so much. So, we had to walk 17 miles around waterfalls. Can you not just throw me off a cliff now? So they're going to go get, they're going to throw everybody off a cliff. And then this one old woman in the Nas Perce tribe speaks up and she's like, hey, stop. When I was young, I got kidnapped by another tribe, and then they sold me to white people. And I got to tell you, they treated me really nice. They, they sent me to school. I was having a pretty good time. And then I did miss home, so I ran away, and that's why I'm back here. But because they were so nice to me all those years ago, let's not throw them all off a cliff. Let's just hang out with them for two weeks and see what happens. And so that woman saves the entire expedition. 
And what's that, like the fourth time everybody almost died again? But because this old woman spoke up, now all of a sudden, Lewis and Clark hanging out with a Nas purse. Two weeks, having a pretty good time. Uh, out of the Rocky Mountains, they're done eating candles. Pretty nice. So after two weeks hanging out with a Nas purse, they're like, thank you, but we have to continue on. We need the Pacific Ocean. We're almost there, man. Nas purse are like, all right, good luck. Lewis and Clark get back in their boat. Or they, I think they made new boats at this point in time because they didn't carry the boat over the Rocky Mountain. They just made new boats out of trees sometime. So impressive to me. So they get in these new boats they made. Rapids are a little strong. But they go down a river. They see the river open up. And one of the men on board exclaims, Ocean up ahead. And it turns out that that's not the ocean. That's not the ocean. Nah, that guy pulled the trigger too early. That wasn't the ocean. That was just part of the Columbia River. <laughs> Some guy was like, ocean up ahead. And then I bet everybody was so happy for like 20 minutes. And then they're like, ah, fuck this. It's still a river, man. Come on. Worse than old Tony. You're killing us. So then after the false alarm, they go down the river a little bit more, and then they actually do run into the Pacific Ocean, which is like, oh my god, way to go. They made it, and it's by, uh, where is that at? Astoria, Oregon is where they ended up finding the actual Pacific Ocean. And the whole time, they only lost that one guy. Only Sergeant Floyd died. I mean, he had rat bites, and I mean, they definitely ate all those diarrhea pills even before the Rocky Mountains. Uh, so it wasn't a, a really nice journey, but only one guy died. That's pretty good. And then the people who love this story historically and talk about it, they do point to at the very end after they found the Pacific Ocean, Lewis and Clark called a meeting amongst everybody in the expedition party and was like, hey, you're all equal. Let's take a vote. Where do you guys want to set up camp for the winter? And... Everybody voted, and they decided to set up camp where they set up camp. But what's important about that is that Sacagawea and the slave York both got equal votes. So people point to that as, like, an amazing moment in American history. Which, like, yeah, definitely. But also, dude, can you imagine how shitty that would be if you didn't let the... Like, what are you talking about? They've been there the whole... We just walked through the Rocky Mountains together. You got it. Come on, man. But it is a nice thing that happened. You know, so that's the story of Lewis and Clark. And then at the end of it... They did have to walk home. They went back a totally different way. Uh, Clark did get, sh or, I'm sorry, Lewis gets shot by accident on the way home. French guy with one eye shoots him by accident. Doesn't die, just does get shot on the walk home. It never ends for him, dude. I bet he was so sad the whole time. And then uh, at the end, Clark is made the governor of Missouri, which is nice. And then Lewis uh, is named the governor of the Louisiana Territory. Oh, I did leave out that uh, when they stopped at the Mandan tribe, I believe they mailed Thomas Jefferson back a prairie dog because nobody had ever seen those before. And the first time that the expedition came upon prairie dogs, they spent a whole day trying to catch one. They were like pouring water down the different prairie dog holes. And trying to, they were like, these things are fucking great. So they caught one of those and they mailed it back to Thomas Jefferson. I don't know how they did it, but I hope that it was like hidden. So then when he opened it, he was like, Jesus Christ, it's an animal. Um, so they did that, and then also I skipped that they did fight a bear at one point in time. Um, they shot at Fort. They had never seen a grizzly bear either. So, like, they had heard about him, saw a grizzly bear. Everybody was like, oh, fuck. They shot it four times, and then it didn't. It kept coming, and then two other guys shot it, and then it kind of stumbled into a river and was still pissed, and then one final guy shot it in the head, and then it went down. They were just like, that thing is a... Is that thing from hell? What was that, dude? So they uh, they did encounter grizzly bear, but all of this was documented by Lewis, and that is the story 
of how the West was uh, settled. Uh, rattlesnake potions and all. Uh, guys, thank you for listening. That's been Oral Presentations, episode 29. Lewis and Clark, how far left we got to go. Um, thanks for listening. I hope you guys are hanging in. Uh, they're still doing the uh, self-isolation thing, which is tough. But um, I don't know. I'm going to keep doing uh, keep doing episodes, and I hope you guys are hanging in all right. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. And I'll talk to you next week. I'll see you.